Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Podcast, where we will be discussing John Franco Rossi's award-winning documentary, Fire at Sea. I'm Sam Howlett, and this week I'm joined by Jenna Hobbs Hiya. and Helen Seymour. Hello. Hello, how are we? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Excellent, do? good. Um, so we do have an interview with uh, Rossi, the director, coming up a bit later on. Um, but So first, just to talk about the film a bit. The film is set on the island of Lampedusa, a small island just off the coast of Sicily. Um, as Jenna pointed out to us before the show, it's actually closer to Africa, mm-hmm. which could potentially explain why it's a major hotspot for yeah, yeah. Um, migration into Europe, um, which is kind of the main focus point of the film. And it kind of straddles these two two stories on the island, one of the arriving refugees and one of the life of a small boy on the island, Samuel, uh, local to the island and his family, his daily life. And it's a, there's a kind of contrast going on between these two things. So... Broadly, what did you think of the film? I thought it was amazing. <clears throat> Absolutely incredible. I think it's a subject we all think we kind of know quite a lot about. I mean, it's in the news all the time at the moment about the Constantly. refugee crisis. Yeah, yeah it's something and Brexit. That's, and Brexit. Yeah, yeah it's all Very kind of in typical. our sort of sphere. But I think this is the first time I probably have let myself pay such detailed mm-hmm. attention to what's going on, I think. And it's, it was, I found it really moving. Me too. I thought it was a really profound film. Yeah really excellent great yeah I really enjoyed it so actually um, I don't think you see a lot of documentaries like this at the mm-hmm. moment and I think we'll go into detail a bit later on why we think this is different mm-hmm. to not a run of the, you know your more average documentary so yeah but before we go into that first up we're going to have an interview with uh, the director John Franco Rossi who I met up with in London earlier this week we're delighted to be joined on the Curzon podcast by uh, Jean-Franco Rossi. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, so we're talking about Fire at Sea, and which you, you show us two sides of life on the island of uh, Lampedusa. So you've got the, uh, Samuel and his life on the island and his family and the locals sort of contrasted with and compared to the life of the uh, newly arriving refugees. Yeah, so, these um, two, these two worlds that they never yeah. meet, that they never encounter somehow. I'm just wondering what, so what interested you in that story? What... How did you come across the island of Lampedusa and like these two stories colliding? Well, um, you know, people ask me often to me, how come there's no interaction between the two stories? Uh, uh, because there's none. Uh, mm. Because uh, since uh, three, four years, when it was uh, um, when Mary Nostrum was um, happened and Frontex and uh, and Triton, 
the border of Lakhpit was somehow been moved in the middle okay. of the sea. So it changed completely the way people arrived in Lampedusa. Before it was like uh, Lampedusa was a point of arrival mm. and they just came straight with the boat from yeah. uh, the coast of Africa straight to Lampedusa. Lampedusa was the first approach, okay. the, um, the last uh, post uh, of, uh, of, uh, of Europe. and. Uh, and um, and the modality changed because now the boat with all the military barrier that is the mm. boat are intercepted in the middle of the sea, and they changed the way they are brought into Lampedusa with the military boat in the port, and then mm. from the port into the center, and then from the center back to Italy on the main spot okay. on the main thing. So there is no more interaction between yeah. the island and the thing. So. And also in the film I wanted to create, uh, um, to give more a sense of an identity of the island because Lampedusa has been always uh, shot uh, um, by media, by newspaper, by news, by television, always linked uh, to a tragedy, linked to okay. moments of um, catastrophes and trouble when people died when they were like in a big naufrage in the middle of the sea. So, um, the, nobody really told the story about the island itself, about the people of the island. So, for me, it was important to okay. give a sense of identity of the place. And then, of course, having two, these two words, uh, in a way, um, confronting the two reality. Yeah. And, you know, in between these two real stories that they never touch each other, there is a story of the doctor and mm. the story of the institution, which is the Navy, the Coast Guard, yeah. that somehow they are representing the institutional world. And, the, and and then there is a separation, yes, between these two worlds, yeah. that Samuel and... But, you know, somehow it, somehow it holds the story and the metaphor for something that is beyond Lampedusa. Yeah. And this I realized while I was shooting with him, that there is always like a, a, an element like a, an internal element of him that brought okay. me um, to a different reality, yeah. which is the one of the migrants. Okay. Mm. And did you go to Lampedusa knowing that it was this kind of hot spot? For no, I, I, I knew it from... But then, you know, when I arrived there, for example, the island was completely... The, the center was closed because there was a big fire and they were like okay. re restoring the, the center. So when I arrived there, the island was empty, there were only people from Lampedusa, so in yeah. a way that allowed me always to get in much closer to the population okay. and um, and uh, start telling the story first about the island, then things start changing again, and then um, I start filming also about yeah. the arrivals and people arriving okay. in the centres and the other reality. Is that quite natural for your um, filmmaking process where the story changes as you go along? Like you're going thinking you're filming one something and then it will change. And absolutely. When I go to a place, I try not to have uh, too much um, planning, plans, things that are planned, and I like somehow to to be open to the reality, I like the reality to talk to me yeah. and I like somehow to interact with the story and having the story developed in the way that you know I never imagined somehow you know so it's always like I know where I start I never know where I end. that's why for me time is very important you know, mm. to spend a long time there in order to uh, I always say like I, 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 like, I like to write the story with my camera yeah. and okay. uh, I, I follow the the pattern that somehow reality gives to yeah. me, so I have to be open to and let the reality talk okay. to me. Because uh, so, how long did you spend filming this? Because I spent one and a half year. One and a half years. Okay, yeah. so not quite as long because I read. And that also, before. did the editing there. Oh, okay, so you yeah. stayed on the island for the whole process. Then. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. It was just there for filming. Well, I stayed well. before filming, which I started in uh, December, two thousand fourteen. Before filming, I. 
I spent two three months there just without the camera and meeting people and trying okay. to interact with them yeah. and just uh, without uh, the pressure of right of sure. filming. Yeah, mm. you get them pretty amazing access. I thought to um, so you mentioned there the navy and the doctors, but also Samuel's family and his school and his the um, is a optician. I mean, was, were people very um, cooperative with you on the film? It, it, they were, you know, like uh, as I say, like. Uh, Time is what builds a relationship sure. and what builds trust. You know, you have to arrive to have yeah. a strong trust in order to have people allowing you to be in, within their life and and, uh, and allow you to enter in their own world. So that takes a lot of time and uh, and uh, it's built slowly, slowly, but day yeah. by day. Mm. Okay, excellent. Um, one, what I noticed about the film, and I'm sure not a lot of people have asked you about this, is that it's very observational. When you mentioned there, you like to just let reality dictate how you film. Um, so, but also noticed, compared to other documentaries, there's no voiceover narration, there's not many like talking head interviews, you're not on camera yourself. I mean, is that important to you about documentaries, that it should be less intrusive and just let well, reality I, take hold? I, I don't want to dictate the rule of documentary. Sure, that's, that's the way. <laughs> I like to work, I like, you know... Uh, when I start a film, I don't ask myself I'm, I'm making uh, fiction, making documentary. Yeah. For me, it's just filming and using the language of, of cinema. Okay. That's, that's very important. And so, uh, three words are very important for me. You know, the um, transformation, like there's a reality, and I have to transform that reality in something else, you know, mm. to create a suspension on that. I mean, reality on its own is not very interesting. No, sure. Uh, so you have some of the, 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 the language of uh, observation and the language yeah. of realism is not enough in order to to show the complexity of the new world. Okay. You know? and plus we have so much information bombarded, uh, bombarded yeah. by information that for me the big challenge is always like to to close the door and to, yeah. to shutter the door and to give less, less information than I can and, and let the people somehow make their own uh, interpretation okay. of him. So. I, I like the word also subtraction. So mm. it's like transforming a place in something else, yeah. a story, to subtract information, so to close the door more and more, and then of course structuring the film in the in the editing, so that becomes a, a narrative a structure yeah. Okay. Yeah, in the editing, and and also when I film, I, you know, it's very important for me to have a, a cinematic approach on the mm. on the thing and having it somehow. The language of cinema enforcing uh, reality, okay. you know, and uh, so this is important for me. So the the words, see the language of cinema, it's yeah. what for me is important. So rather than being this is fiction, it's a documentary, you'd rather just it's important the difference between true and false. Yeah, you know, what is okay. true and what is false, okay. and the truth uh, in my film has to be in within the people themselves. Okay. What's the most difficult thing you filmed on the shoot? Because there were certain moments when, um, I think particularly when you're on the boat with the refugees and they are, some of them are very ill and crying and there's even one shot which really stuck with me where there's a, a dead body being carried away. What was it like um, filming those? Did you ever feel like maybe well, you shouldn't be filming this? Yeah, or? absolutely. It was very difficult. You know, I never thought that I spent 40 days in this Navy boat yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, one day what would have looked like uh, another rescue in yeah. the middle of the sea, like completely with no problem. Uh, I discovered death. Uh, death came to me, you know. I, I, I discovered death in the middle of the sea. I discovered death 15 miles from Libya. Yeah. I discovered a tragedy under the boat, you know, when you discover that the people died 
suffocated by the engine, uh, the fuel uh, engine of the mm -hmm. of the boat. It was like a chamber glass, uh, mm -hmm. and I had a few seconds uh, to the, to decide should I film this or not. If you see the the thing, my camera keeps moving yeah. right and left because uh, it was very hard for me to to look at this body, which uh, they were like um, closer to death than uh, than to life, and. Uh, it was a very hard choice, but at that moment I also felt the responsibility that this is sure. a story that people Need to should know, know and I, I cannot turn my face. And it was very difficult when you say what was the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge was deciding to use uh, this image uh, in the film and um, to not using so many others that I had. Yeah. And somehow to build the film in order to arrive to this tragedy and be able also to live from the tragedy without, you know, being, yeah. uh, uh, as people somehow can say, pornographic. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, or um, sensational. Or sensationalist yeah. or morbid or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Was there anything. I mean, filming that is very difficult. Absolutely. But also, that was a tragedy that I think the, I wanted with the film to bring, to bring an awareness. I mean, my film, there's no really an answer. No. But yeah. there is a, a sense of uh, wanting to create an awareness on okay. the tragedy. Do I you mean, think... For me, it's unacceptable. People die yeah. escaping from, uh, tragedy. from tragedy, from yeah. war, from economic yeah. disaster, from things, and, and finding death in the middle of the sea. Do you think that... Because um, there's, uh, there's one scene where there's a woman, uh, she's making lunch, and then there's a new bro broadcast in the background mm -hmm. that tells about the death of mm -hmm. they found bodies of children, women, mm -hmm. and she just says, poor souls, and carries on. Do you think that that's kind of the attitude to the migrant crisis, that well, it's just the, in the yeah, background? Yeah, that's what we do every, every day. Yeah. You know? We read in newspaper numbers that don't make sense anymore. Yeah. They're just numbers. But when you start thinking that behind these numbers there are like people, individuals, then it becomes a big... Uh, step that we have to make it uh, towards our yeah. uh, okay. consumers, you know? Okay, definitely. Um, so perhaps then on a lighter note, um, Samuel is quite of a, a sort of a breath of fresh air in the film, really. He's so lively and energetic. I mean, what was it like filming him and where did you find this uh, great, great character? Well, I, I knew that I wanted to have in my film this time a story of a kid. I didn't know how important was going to become mm. the story of the kid. He became the main protagonist, uh, which I didn't know at the beginning, and just I discovered that by filming. And what I realized mostly of him is that he was taking me always somewhere else. Mm. You know, like whenever I film his reality, his daily things, the war, the building, the enemy, uh, the lazy eye. Mm. Uh, the shooting, the playing, yeah. all this is bringing me to a different reality. And that's when I talk about transformation, you know, sure, it's yeah. something that is so daily basis, mm. somehow it's able to hold a mood mm. which po which brings you beyond uh, what I'm feeling. Yeah. Very natural. To create well. this suspension, yeah. you know, to create this sense of uh, of um, be able to 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 go on different places, you know, yeah. with your mind and with your interaction with the images. Okay, great. Um, so you won the Golden Bear at Berlin for this film. Congratulations, by the way. And uh, you also won um, Sacro GRA at... Uh, Sacro Gra. Sacro yeah. Gra. Uh, I mean, do you think... The Golden Lion, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um, documentaries should be winning more of these kind of awards that generally favour fictional film? Or I mean, you mentioned earlier you don't really like the distinction well, of documentary it, it, it's fiction. not a rule that documentary yeah. should yeah, sure. should win. It's always a competition there. But I think documentary. There, I know so many incredible filmmakers around the world uh, that they make film. Uh, that uh, you know, using reality and bringing reality into a different. Uh, 
space uh, of interaction and uh, still making documentary which uh, I think more and more now they, they are accepted in the mainstream, you yeah. know, like uh, it's happening already in Venice, it's, uh, it did happen in Berlin, hopefully it will happen in Cannes. And um, for me it was already a big success to be able to compete in the main category mm. of, uh, of the festival with a documentary. And then I never thought the film could win, and it happened twice, which is, yeah. a, which is a lot. And, uh, and um, I hope this you know, opens more and more to the fact that yeah. you know, documentary can be part of regular of filming, and yeah. it should not be like a B-series uh, yeah. element of okay. the, the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what documentaries are you liking at the moment? Like... Uh, other documentaries that are around at the moment that you've liked? Are there any that come Well, unfortunately, recently I haven't seen, I was in Cannes in, in a jury for a documentary and uh, we gave this award to a fantastic film uh, on Simanovo in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a film based on a movement uh, which was called Simanovo uh, in the 60s. And somehow there's a fantastic approach on this because it's taking these um, scenes from uh, all the Simanovo and through so from cinema through documentary bring back to a different kind of story this yeah. transformation again and it was a fantastic film um, with the language of cinema cinema again and but the subject is always cinema you know sure, you yeah. say cinema documentary but the subject is documentary but what I love about documentary uh, talking is, is the challenge you know documentary allows you to open to so many different uh, language and to so many different narration that um, you know, it always push you to to find a, a new way of telling stories. Yeah. So I think uh, experimenting in documentary is, is a very big. Uh, uh, it's a duty for us, you know, okay. to try to find yeah. always different language. And if you see in the history of documentary, there's so many transformations yeah. on documentary you know, from the beginning of cinema, which was somehow yeah. a, a realistic yeah. shot. <laughs> to incredible filmmakers and to movements that documentary had, which more and more, we, we, we lost them in the last 10, 10 years, uh, and yet now it's coming back, you know, it's like uh, the author, docu- yeah. the, the author point of view, it's very important okay. in documentary, and the trust that the author can build with the audience okay. and with the people he's shooting. Excellent. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up there, but Jean-Franco Rossi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to you. Thank you. All right. Um, so he's a really interesting guy. Really, you can tell he really loved cinema. I thought mm-hmm. um, so. A lot of interesting things there. Um, one of the most interesting things that I picked up on was what he he talked about using cinema to find truth and to find meaning, uh, which I really think he succeeded in doing in Fire at Sea, um, but without explicitly telling us anything. Mm-hmm. We never. T- I feel like in this film, apart from maybe the title card at the beginning about the number of um, immigrants that go to the island and the number that are killed on the way there, we're never told anything. We just see things happen mm-hmm. very casually and passively. Um, so how did you feel about the sort of observational take on its subject? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> I think for the most part, it really felt for me, especially when it was focusing on Samuel and Samuel's mm. life, like it almost wasn't a documentary. It could have been a film. It was yeah. so natural, the way they were acting. It didn't, yeah. They didn't seem affected by the fact that there was a camera there in Definitely their daily no. life. So I think yeah. that must say a lot about how much he embedded himself into their culture, into the surroundings. Yeah. Totally agree. Mm. Um, so natural. And they didn't really seem aware of the camera or kind of looking awkwardly towards it. Um, so, yeah, um, he had clearly spent a lot of time with the family. Um, yeah. And you know that without... Mm-hmm. You know, just from seeing it on the screen. 
And then sort of similarly, again, when he was sort of filming with the uh, refugees coming through, it was so natural, but for a completely different reason, because, yeah. you know, they can't even begin to take in someone filming them at that point in their journey. Absolutely, yeah. The, yeah, the scene like where you see Samuel's family at the dinner table, mm-hmm. like, it's just... It- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It felt slightly strange, I thought. Slightly intrusive. Yeah, when they're all eating their yeah. squid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Helen, you have some interesting thoughts about the uh, dinner scene. It's just very loud. <laughs> <laughs> so noisy, slow. Noisy eating. From yeah. a young boy. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's scenes like that. Uh, there's also scenes where you're in the doctor's office with Samuel. Yeah. Where he's getting his eyes tested, where he's at school, where he's just privately playing with his friend, mm-hmm. and even just on his own walking through the woods. And he never even looks at the camera, which was quite incredible yeah yeah I think for, yeah. for a non-actor to, to kind of get that yeah. comfortable in the, the yeah. surroundings yeah I really and I was kind of thinking has he told him to do this stuff yeah I did think that sometimes mm. I thought how much of this because that's the problem with documentary like, this is I suppose this is documentary in its rawest form mm. where there's there's no voiceover narration the director's not like he's not like Michael Moore I'm not picking on Michael Moore but I'm just he's, yeah, he's not the in the frame yeah. Michael Moore's very much in his films is almost part of the subject like itself a, yeah it's a Michael Moore film isn't yeah it? and he's like you're watching him explore this subject and he's telling you things say, this is what I found look what I did kind mm-hmm. of thing whereas this there's none of that um, we're never told anything this is completely raw Unedited, yeah, and I think I loved tense. that, that there yeah. was no voiceover or like talking heads really yeah. or anything like that because it just felt so much more like, you know, this is the facts of what's going on here yeah. and make your own minds up from that. It, doesn't, it didn't need to like hammer Definitely, in a moral yeah. message. And the same when you see the um, the refugees arriving, you don't need mm. to be told anything because you can see it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. You, you learn so much more looking at what's happening than I did from just the numbers you get in the newspapers. Yeah, definitely. And he was saying that in the interview, actually, that at the moment in the European migrant crisis, it's just all numbers. Like, we're just, it just become... bombarded with numbers and it yeah. just doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. Anymore. It doesn't mean anything at all. And I think that's what I was kind of saying earlier, that I feel like I've not let myself get involved in it because it's really easy to read an article and read... Yeah. So, so many thousand and you forget that each one of these people has a face and there's a really moving part where uh, well there all the migrants are coming in and you know there's lots of really sad sort of cases coming through but there's this one shot of a man who's crying just a single like tear of blood and yeah. oh, it was so unbelievably moving and that was it it was never sort of picked up on no one yeah. spoke about it but it's all you needed his voice is still there though 
Definitely, They're yeah. direct, oh, because yeah. you have to be aware of there's been a process. Well, that's the thing, yeah, that's the argument. So this is one school of argument about documentary where it, documentary should be observational, you shouldn't have someone telling you things, but however, by filming something, mm. it, you're, that immediately someone's picked this shot and edited exactly. it in this way to be shown to an audience. So that there is, yeah, you're right, there is this rhetoric all the way through constantly, even though it's more passive than normal, it's mm. still there. I really enjoyed it, but I also, you know, I really enjoy the Louis Theroux documentary. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. He's maybe, he's a little bit in between because he tries not to... Interfere, mm-hmm. but he's he is very much there. Yeah, he tries, I think his documentaries, they, you don't, he doesn't say, and this is what I think at the end, yeah. and there's kind of a, an end to the story, it is quite open-ended for you to make up your own mind. Yeah. And this one really goes far in making you think yeah. about it mm-hmm. yourself and not being told. But you have to take into account yeah. he's chosen what to put in the yeah, film. Yeah, so how long was he filming it for? Uh, like nearly a year uh, or something? Over a year. A so year obviously half, yeah. there's so much that he didn't put in and what he chose yeah. is quite sculpted to I his so, view. definitely. His vision. Yeah. yeah. It's very much his vision as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you ever feel like you needed any more context or any more information? Or did you feel that you got you were giving enough at the beginning and what you get through the film is enough? Were there any points where you're like, I wish I'd know, I wish we could have someone telling me just a bit more about what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Or did you feel like you didn't? Because I, I didn't. I don't think yeah. I did need more context. Especially not about like the uh, refugees coming yeah. in. I knew exactly what was going on there. A little bit with... Um, Samuel's kind of life story yeah. and, and I was kind of trying to work out how why he we, fitted in well, yeah. why, why his story this? Yeah. yeah and I think yeah I kind of made up my own kind of decisions for that along the way but I think it's quite sure, nice yeah. that you get to do that I wanted to know what this what was the sea diver putting in the box yeah I'm not was sure it sea that. urchins mm-hmm. I thought I don't know though yeah, I have a big question right. mark about the actual why the sea diver's there because yeah. he seems relatively unconnected to everything as well yeah I think it was just kind of trying to show that these so there's 6,000 yeah. people that live on this island so it's a fairly small yeah. community um, and how it's just, just daily like life daily there. lives yeah. and how connected they are to that ocean yeah. and you know they're plumbing the depths of it for you know the fish for yeah. the sea urchins to kind of provide for them and also you know in the depths of this are the drowning bodies of yeah. everyone I don't know good point well that's a good segue actually to the next like topic about the sea itself that mm. it is really interesting how the sea's shown so on one hand it's it's a sort of generational thing. Like it's almost like Samuel's father is passing down what he knows of the sea to his son. It's mm. a kind of in- you inherit. He's inherited what he knows of the sea, and it's a place of livelihood. And it's a, obviously it's a small island, so like fishermen's a major profession there mm-hmm. and a major source of income. Whereas, so that's contrasted to kind of with the refugees, where the sea, on one hand, as well, it's a source of opportunity mm-hmm. and a way for them to improve their lives for them but also it's a place of danger and death for them so it's a really nice way the sea's contrasted Mm -hmm. and i think it's kind of showing you that like neither choose the sea because samuel's not really getting on very well with it himself but it's kind of his sort of fate in life being born there he doesn't have a choice but yeah you know there's a cute scene where he's sort of throwing up on the boat and he can't and he gets stuck (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, he can't he can't maneuver himself around the sea he struggles on the sea yeah yeah the refugees yeah yeah but Samuel is very much portrayed as a lone figure, mm. and it's kind of his. So to him, the sea brings sickness, mm. and the sea brings danger. But because it's just him, it's so controlled. Mm. When he gets sick, his dad is there, and mm. he can go to his dad, and they 
go back home and that's sorted out you know um his dad says well you can go back another day and you'll get more steady with it and you won't feel sick anymore and when he nearly gets stuck in between the boats when he's just rowing um i'm not actually sure what the relationship was the guy who helped him um but he just gets helped you know he says hold on hold on but he's right there he's a minute away in contrast to the um boats of migrants coming in who are ringing for help and it's yeah so far away and it's what's your location and they can't tell them their location so saying all of that that's the juxtaposition that's the metaphor Mm -hmm. however i was aware not to overload yeah the images Mm -hmm. i i think also it's a bit different to me it's a little bit different watching a film just when i'm watching a film and when i know i'm watching it for this podcast because sure, yeah. I'll be watching it thinking, oh, I need to, need to pick up on I need that. to work out what's Remember, going on because yeah. I'm going to be talking about this film. And I think actually that that's not a good mm, headspace not, to not be a, in. Yeah. It's just good to watch these in, um, images and it doesn't matter if you watch this film and you can't vocalise exactly what the relationship mm. between Samuel and the um, migrants coming in. I don't think you need to vocalise that. You can just okay. feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's a good point. Well, my next point was going to be, what do you think the reason is? Why do you think he's chosen to f- make a film like what? Like, why is the uh, European migrant crisis explored in contrast with a small boy? But I guess we don't need to. Is that? I don't. You're saying? You I don't, think the images just work together. They speak, they and speak you for can themselves. Take it in, and so from watching this film, my feeling was feeling incredibly sad yeah and i felt like a a motive towards Mm. samuel and compassion and the doctor as well and i felt that i could understand the hardship that was faced by everyone i think that's enough i actually for me i don't think i need to then go into oh and i think this scene contrasts with this Mm. scene and there's a slingshot at the beginning which is a foreboding site like sometimes all of that can just get too much Mm -hmm. and i think this is about a real issue that's going on and it's enough for it just to be some images of people in times of their lives. Mm. Definitely. I think that's the um, the whole observational thing without any... There's no real, there's no room for reflection in this film with, with no voiceover and no looking back at this thing. I now think this because it's so... I think the point of the film is to be so topical and so yeah. current and without the voiceover it really drums that in even more that this is happening now. And we don't have time to suddenly reflect on things. We have to act now, which I think gets across. Although, I get what you're saying, although it's been happening for many years. Absolutely, yeah, but I mean, in the context of watching the film, it feels like you're watching something that's currently happening. Yes. You know, immediately. Literally, as you're watching the film, there's another boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The film, I think, another, like, talking point would be the, uh, some of the imagery, like, Mm. and what he gets close to as a, a filmmaker, like, People when they're on so on the rescue boat when they're carrying the sick off the boat and laying them in the another boat and then people crying mm. and then even just a, a dead body as well like a, a corpse being wrapped up like were you shocked that this was in the film because obviously those images come with the migrant crisis yeah coming, but it's just shocking to see that in this kind of film I think not a new, some yeah. it's not a news report yeah I was I was like deeply affected by it and I think it was really important that it was in there I think it was really brave of him to choose to include it all as well and not actually try and soften it for everyone I think yeah I I 
enjoyed is probably the wrong word but I yeah. really felt I benefited appreciated from appreciated it, yeah. it. That he yeah made that hard choice yeah then, yeah definitely yeah. it's difficult because I really I think the film is a very good film mm-hmm. but I just have this point it's kind of just dawned on me as we're sitting here discussing it I have this issue that he's saying like the director was talking about it oh I want to find the truth of cinema and kind of talking about it as art and now we're all discussing like how it was edited and like his choice to put like the fact that he had some control over the images that he saw and that he was turning mm. it into his story does that take it away from uh, I don't think so because I don't think that it's necessarily I mean it is very artistic but I don't think it's overtly artistic I think at the end of the day he's just trying to capture reality rather than shows I mean obviously art's always involved in and I think cinema, the like, other thing is is that you know this is a we all agree this is a crazy crisis yeah. that's going on at the moment it's it's unbelievable it's something that we all need to think about and you know it's, it's a world crisis that we haven't seen since you know uh, the second world war and a, a humanitarian crisis like this and and I'm not saying and I'm, I'm not saying it should be art but there's something in creating a, a documentary like this that gets people talking about it yeah, and, and promotes yeah. maybe action from people to do something I fully understand that yeah I guess my question and it really is just a question yeah this isn't an insult towards the film or anything but the question is have we got to a point in humanity where we got to have a nice film that makes you cry to understand the crisis like why isn't it enough just to hear that there's boats full of people because that's what they are people mm. and they're drowning mm-hmm. for us to do something and I'm not like getting yeah. my high horse here because technically I haven't done anything to help them like mm. I think it's a really big issue but I you know I'm not there sorting through the donated clothes in Calais or I'm mm. not doing any of that stuff it's just it's just it makes me think when people say oh this film's really good because it makes people realise the crisis mm. I think it does but then I wonder is there something really wrong that we need a film we need to see it and we need this film and not well I think maybe but I mean you also have to think about the fact that we not, we don't get shown everything in mainstream news everything yeah. has a spin on yeah. it and I mean I'm, I'm sure this has a spin on it too but we're not you know we're not there we're not in we're not on that island we're not in Greece where this is happening either we're really safe here yeah. in England and yeah and I, yeah. I, I just think any, I think anything that brings an extra dimension to our understanding has got to be a good thing well yeah. I think it's important as well that he didn't set out to make a film about the European migrant crisis he was that making a film important. about the island because mm. he as he said in the interview, he heard the island was an island of tragedy, and he man- he found that this was happening on the island. So I mm. think it, it, it developed very naturally, rather than someone thinking, oh, "I'm going to make a film about the European migrant crisis." Yeah, yeah. Um, he picked a location and yeah. decided to kind but of document what happened there. I think you're right that it can sometimes not sensationalise, but there is a danger with these kind of documentaries that they are just there to make people cry. Uh, but I don't think this film does. I mean, obviously, it's a very sad film. But I think that's just. I don't think the film does that on purpose I think it's just trying to be show you this is happening here Mm -hmm. what do you think kind of things asking questions rather than giving answers yeah and just to say I think it's excellent Mm. and hearing what the doctor has to go through yeah 
was such an insight that I would never have got if I hadn't seen this film and if this film hadn't been made and actually seeing the cramped conditions that um, they live in while they're on the boats. I probably I wouldn't have ever seen that. I it's had just no the question idea of turning about into oh, yeah. the, um, the kind of levels of class on the boat. Did I, or how much they have to pay? It's I had no it's idea. So much money yeah. to risk your life like thousands that. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. To go upstairs, then to go uh, middle, and then downstairs. Yeah, yeah and just crazy. Uh, the the general conditions on board. I mean, obviously, yeah. I never thought it was going to be lovely, but. but. Yeah. You know, the with the doctor was talking about the chemical burns on the children and things yeah. like that. It just, you know, just really harrowing. And when they're um, patting them down, like yeah. pressing them. First of all, I thought that, I didn't know that. That was yeah. that, that looks like they're going into prison or yeah, something. Yeah, it does. Which is yeah. quite interesting about the sort of... Uh, the, How um, they're sort of brought into yeah, Europe. The treatment of them. And also the fact that they said they smell of diesel. Yeah. Which again was just to show you how uncomfortable they've been for days probably in this boat that just stinking of and being covered no, it's, it's about a well. week isn't yeah. it they're on the base so. it's just awful absolutely mm. um so there's one there's a decision that i think is made that's really interesting in the film and that's to give the people on the island are essentially fully fleshed not characters but they have names mm. you know what they do you know what their relationships are to each other you know their sort of their history etc the migrants are not giving anything like this they're not giving any names they're not really characters, you know, you can't mm-hmm. really identify, you know, say this person's like this person's like that. They're just almost shown just to be a collective. I mean, what did you think about that decision? Yeah, I found it interesting because I think, I, at first I kind of questioned that, you know, why are we it. making yeah. migrants nameless and just, yeah. but then I think I thought further, he's making a film about this island. Yeah. And actually, if you think about the numbers of uh, people coming through yeah. the island, it's kind of, it's not a destination for them. No. It's a passing through point. And Absolutely. I suppose that's what he's trying to capture there. Yeah. That it's kind of a three way yeah. town. Yeah, agreed. Mm. I think that's just people's response to the refugees as well. They're just a mass, a horde of people that just go from one place to the other. Mm. There's no... Also, just there's kind of... There's no time. And also, there's a kind of... There's a slight, I think, thing of where the people on the island are fairly so privileged compared to the migrants that they have time to have these yeah. kind of... That kind of life where they can have these relationships and be these kind of personalities where the, mi- the migrants have that, have that advantage taken away from them. So they're working to survive at the yeah, moment. Yeah, that's their main priority. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, okay. Anything... There's a particular scene when there's some very dehydrated oh, yeah. um, to the point of death. Mm. Um, and there's a few. So when, so the, the rescue boats, I suppose, I don't know what the real yeah. term is, um, go to um, get these people off the boat and the, the sickest people go first. Mm-hmm. And they sort of, they're so sick they can't, they can't um, walk or so they're sort of being dragged from mm. one boat to another and it was just so harrowing to watch mm. and then they get onto this boat so they're just lying on the floor of a boat and and people saying oh they need to get some liquid into them and they're just so helpless mm. and it's so unfair yeah so any final thoughts on the film before we wrap up well i just think it's such an important and it's an yeah. important issue the more we can would look at different aspects of it and understand it the better I think um, yeah and or, I enjoyed the wrong word but I think it's a great film yeah, yeah. thoroughly deserving of it it won yeah. the best film at the Berlin Film Festival this year uh, Meryl yeah. Streep 
was the one of the head of the jury. Oh, was she? So she was, yeah, she gave it to it. Oh, great. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's very, very good. Just films of this genre make me think about questions mm, about, yeah. about why, what, how we react to things and, yeah. and mm-hmm. that. But the film is a great film. Absolutely it's great. Definitely uh, try and catch this one. Uh, it will have a limited release, but so yeah as soon as you can try and see this uh, that's it. so that's Fire at Sea directed by Gianfranco Rossi uh, thank you very much for joining us this week and we'll be back next week see you later bye, bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.